So hi, Krithi, this is your clinical scenario. Um, the information for you is that you are the gastroenterology registrar in clinic and you are referred to see a 62-year-old gentleman with progressive dysphagia to both solids and liquids. Um, please talk to me about how you proceed with this patient. Thank you, Michael. So just to summarize, so this is a, a middle-aged male who's presenting with dysphagia, which is malignancy until proven otherwise, and as such should be managed as a two-weeks wait rule uh, with urgent investigations. Before proceeding with investigations, obviously you need to take a history from this patient first. I think the key thing is trying to differentiate between oropharyngeal dysphagia and esophageal dysphagia. Uh, so symptoms suggestive oropharyngeal dysphagia would be difficulty in initiating swallowing and having associated symptoms such as coughing, choking, and regurgitation. Whereas patients with, in cases of esophageal dysphagia, they often have the dysphagia seconds after initiating of swallowing and sensation of food getting stuck in the retrosternal uh, area. Other cl key clinical history points to be addressed is finding out about the onset and duration of symptoms. Is it something that is progressive in nature? Where is the site of dysphagia? Do you have dysphagia to solids or liquids or combination of both? And is it intermittent or is it a constant dysphagia? Key thing to also inquire is about other red flags such as weight loss, abdominal pain, any signs of GI bleed such as hematomesis or melina, or if the patient have noticed any abdominal mass. Other symptoms that you need to inquire about are like odynophagia, reflux, halitosis, regurgitations, recurrent chest infection, sort of can allude to the wide range of differential diagnosis of someone presenting with dysphagia. In terms of past medical history, it's key to ask about any neurological disorders, such as previous strokes or Parkinson's disease, and also to inquire about presence of asthma, where it is closely linked with eosinophilic esophagitis. You'd also be important to inquire if the patient has any risk factor for um, immunocompression, as patients with HIV can have candidiasis. Moving on, drug history is key, as many drugs can cause motility disorders of the esophagus. Uh, so you're key to ask, key to take a detailed history of patient's medication, uh, such as opiates or any tricyclics or SSRIs. It's also key to ask if the patient's on any bisphosphonates, as they are often can cause esophagitis. And the last aspect of history taking is going to uh, uh, inquire about patient social history. Uh, we're going to be asking about their smoking history, alcohol history, as they are respected for malignancy. The key thing here is to assess their functional status uh, and physiological function to assess is the patient fit for further investigations and management. Okay. And so uh, what investigations would you like to uh, proceed with for this gentleman? So in terms of investigation, I want to get a baseline blood test, uh, particularly looking for any signs of anemia, iron deficiency anemia, um, making and then checking the biochemistry as the patient has had dysphagia to both solids and liquids. I want to make sure the patient doesn't have any AKI, any electrolyte imbalance. LFTs, I'll be only looking at the albumin to see if they've uh, because low albumin can be a marker of poor nutrition, and also looking at deranged LFTs as this can be a sign of metastasis from uh, underlying malignancy. Followed by a baseline blood test, this patient needs an urgent two weeks wait gastroscopy as this is the most important test here. Uh, it is to look for any luminal structural cause as, uh, and if it's normal, you're still gonna take biopsies to rule out um, such cases such as eosinophilic esophagitis. 
Um, and if the gastroscopy is normal, then this is where you're gonna be suspecting a motility disorder, where you need to then investigate this by requesting sort of a barium swallow or esophageal manometry. Okay, fine. And so this gentleman went on to have an OGD, which was normal, uh, including esophageal biopsies, and there was no evidence of eosinophilic esophagitis. However, on manometry, there was found to be poor relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter with a high resting pressure. What does this suggest to you? So based on the investigation results, I believe this gentleman has a diagnosis of echolasia, as proven by the impaired relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter. Echolasia is a primary motility disorder of the esophagus and can be further divided into a few subtypes where type 1, type 2, and type 3 echolasia. And the treatment modalities can be different based on the types of echolasia. Investigating echolasia as this patient or has already had a sufficient manometry. So that's a gold standard investigation tool for echolasia. Patient can often be, have a typical bird beak appearances on barium swallow, which often can be helpful in diagnosing echolasia. Management wise, uh, I think the key thing here is addressing patient's nutrition uh, element and support. So uh, getting urgent dietetic input. Uh, if the patient has complete dysphagia to both solids and liquid, he may need uh, enteral feeding or a supplement uh, to establish good dietetic input. In terms of specific management of achalasia, it can be further divided into medical management, endoscopic management, and surgical management. Medical management wise, you can use certain medications such as calcium channel blockers and nitrates. However, they do have limited efficacies. Endoscopic management-wise, it can be further divided into a few different modalities. So you have Botox injection, which is done by endoscopy. It's an effective short-term therapy and often needs uh, repeated every six, a couple of months. It's usually done in elderly patients who are not fit for other endoscopic therapy. Other options are pneumatic dilatation. It's an effective non-surgical treatment is a graded approach where you have increasing dilatation on the subsequent endoscopies, but we need to bear in mind there's risk of perforation with this procedure. The last endoscopic uh, management option would be POM, also known as the peroral endoscopic myotomy. Uh, this is a fairly recent uh, advancement in the endoscopic treatment um, where you do a sort of myotomy via an endoscopy. Um, which is equally efficacious as the surgical myotomy. Which brings us to the last option, which is the surgical management, where a patient can be, if they're fit and well, uh, with no many, no other comorbidities, they can be referred to our surgical colleagues for consideration of a Hellas myotomy, where patients have excellent symptom relief with high efficacy rates. Okay, and do you know any other benefits of Hellas myotomy? So if patients have had a myotomy, they can do fund duplication at the same point where to reduce the incidence of gastroesophageal reflux post-procedure. Okay. And you mentioned a POEM procedure. Uh, do you know which type of achalasia is most, this is most effective in? I believe it's type two. Okay. It's type three. Okay. Uh, but well done. That's the end of the scenario. Okay. Thank you.